0: On this week's episode of CineChill, I'm joined by Luke Eve, the director of the web
1: series High Life. I've never quite met a group of filmmakers that committed to actually traveling to festivals. It's really unusual. Like, you know, when I was starting, I would go to, you know, lots of different sort of short film festivals. And I, I guess there's so many of them, like you would see the odd person on the on the circuit, but you could only really afford to go to a couple, you know, but there's something about people that make web series that seem that seem to just travel all around the world with them and try to get into the different festivals and as a result, you just meet like so many people that you know you're going to see again at least two or three times during the year. It's, um, it's amazing. It actually makes you form like this like really lovely bond, you know, which is amazing that you picked up on that so quickly, just being in the room and you could tell from the vibe. Um, but yeah, it's lovely. Like I had no idea when I started three years ago that that would lead me down a path where I now have friends like literally scattered across all sort of, you know, corners and I would see them like a couple of times a year in like odd places uh it's amazing and you know we're we're talking about different projects and things together as well and like it really is like a community but also like uh after I saw you we went to Russia before I came back to LA that was amazing you have to enter Russia next year um,
0: yeah there's never been on the list of places to go fully enough no, Russia. it's
1: funny 10 years ago I went I spent like a whole month there I traveled and I really liked it it was a real eye-opener it was a very different experience but I kind of went oh I feel like I've done it I'm not sure if I you know it didn't really appeal in terms of going back and it's changed so much like it was I found it so different and so much more attractive and alluring i guess as a traveler uh i would totally recommend it getting to moscow or st petersburg is incredible
0: i watched all of high life um oh, cool, uh, yesterday um i watched because uh, i thought you know what i want to watch it and have it Fresh before we actually speak, and um I'm not gonna give anything away. But it, it didn't go where I expected, and that's what I loved about it. It wasn't predictable. Like at one point I thought, well, I know what's gonna happen here, and this is gonna turn dark, and then it kind of did, and then it didn't you don't know, it was it didn't go down any obvious paths, which I was like, Oh, that's surprising. Oh, like, cool. I, I like that. Awesome, great. Um
1: I'm glad to hear that
0: I really enjoyed it Um, I mean I watched it on BBC3 So I saw it as like Kind of a short movie Rather than You know Episodic Because it's not chopped out Is it
1: It's just kind of like It's just you know Got the the title sequences And the credits removed And it's kind of just slammed in But there's a couple of like Minor little changes Just in terms of edits And transitions But essentially it's like They're all slammed into each other Which we did we were uh, you know, we kind of knew that it would work that way. When we did it, we kind of went, Okay, this could work as a one hour but for me it's much better episodic. I, I feel like it's a oh, much really? better experience. Yeah. But are you gonna say the opposite, are you? You quite liked it as well,
0: a... I've only seen it as, as the whole, you see. So yeah. I haven't seen like I've not watched it with those gaps and I was trying to figure out. I wonder when it breaks. Yep. That was kind of interesting because it was very, uh, very fluid. Great. Um, and I also thought the locations. I was like, where the hell was this filmed? I want that house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were, we were lucky yeah we we originally intended like when we wrote it we knew it was going to be episodic like we wrote it for uh you know to appear as a web series or a digital series but we we knew as well that there might be opportunities to try and 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 sell it i guess as like a one-hour tv show like so we were really aware, even at script stage, that okay, would this work continuously? Um, and so that was something that we were quite happy with the fact that it did. But for me, it, it it always felt like it works better episodically. Like I really liked the little breaks that that occur, and each episode finished with like a little a little cliffhanger, so that you had the overall arc, but every episode still had that little moment of like, oh, I need to go on to the next one. And then I like that you had a little bit of a moment to breathe before before diving in. But it's really interesting that, <clears throat> excuse me, that a lot of people are sort of responding to it, I guess, as a, as a one-hour show, um, which is great for me. So I'm really happy that BBC have chosen to screen it that way and uh, Channel 9 in Australia screened it that way and and people have seemed to enjoy it. So, um, But on to locations, yes, <laughs> sorry, I diverted slightly, but I guess there's two things for me when I'm... Uh, diving into something, the two most important things for me are uh, uh, cast and location. So cast is always the you know the most important, obviously. And then for me, especially coming from a background of like doing music videos and and quite low budget stuff, which I, I think we're used to when you're first starting out. Kind of anywhere in the world really, but in, in particular in Australia, it's not like we have the massive budgets that that Hollywood does. So we're used to I guess trying to work with smaller budgets and being resourceful. And I always just feel that if you can get like a really great location then it just adds instant production values like straight away and then you don't need you know too much dressing and other things um so for me that's always the big thing to to try and uh lock in during pre um and i you know we spend a lot of time and 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 effort and on high life a little bit of money but i felt like it was money well spent because it just meant that we didn't have to do too much to it once we started filming in there so.
0: as you say a great location helps yeah so much because you know even though it would have worked with maybe not so great locations, mm. it just adds so much like value to the uh, to what you're watching, and you go, "This is serious. What I'm watching. This isn't like." You know, um, low budget yeah. in 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 brackets. Um, and like the like, play, some places that stand out was the the girl's house and the yep. kitchen it's like, is like that's amazing. That looks it's like a beautiful apartment. house, lovely. Yeah, big time. Um, and the school really authentic and yep. real and believable. Um, the place where the dad worked. I'm like, this is like it's in Back to <laughs> the Future two. It looks like incredible.
1: <laughs> Um, it's so funny that you're mentioning these places because um, so you know we 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 hired a a location uh, company to come on board. So and I had worked with you know location scouts and location uh, companies before, like doing commercials. So I was aware, I guess, of you know what these guys can kind of achieve. But it makes so much difference. It's not just production values. It's kind of like walking into a place and seeing if it's got nice light to it as well. You know. Um, And I think you know, good locations aren't just pretty, but they say something about the characters. And we worked really hard to make sure that Jen's house said something about her and her upbringing, and you know, versus Ben's house, uh, which was very kind of earthy. And uh, and that itself was actually a really spectacular house where we shot that, but it was just a very different vibe. Um, And then we got very lucky with the dad's place where he worked. That was actually in an industrial kind of area in northern Sydney, and there was a a a series of buildings there which a company had moved out of and they were completely empty and we could shoot in there so we shot some stuff in there but then they allowed us to shoot on a particular floor of their building which was completely empty so it had this beautiful modern feel to it because they were occupying all the, the floors below but the fifth floor they hadn't decked out yet and put offices in there so we got it at just a very lucky time um but I really love those because each of those, you know, each of the locations says something about the character and says something about what's going on in the story at that particular point in time. And uh, we got lucky. You know, I think if you can do location scouts with your DP and designer, it just makes such a huge difference. Uh, you know, even the ice cream place, that ice cream place was like phenomenal in episode one. We had found like four different ice cream places that we we kind of liked, but Tanya, the DP and I, were just like, oh, we don't love it. Like this one. Okay, but there was there was good things about all of them, but none were sort of perfect. And then we we kind of stumbled across this one at the last minute, and they let us film there for not a lot of money. And the the, the only catch with that was that it was the only location that we didn't own so to speak so we we couldn't shut it down so it was still open to the public while we were filming which is kind of kind of amateur hour in some ways but every now and then it has to happen it was just part of the deal Uh, and we shot there in the morning when it was quiet so it wasn't too big a deal but um, that was the only kind of issue I guess in terms of locations and then You know, the parkland in the woods where the the film ends up was also an amazing location, but super difficult. We had to ferry. uh, It was like a one-way track, and we had to ferry all these different cars down there and build like a a unit um, for cast and crew, and that took hours, and people camped down there overnight to kind of look after the place. and, And so it was actually incredibly, even though it was just north of Sydney again, it was an amazing spot. incredibly remote like very difficult to get cars and crew and lights and things too so it was quite a logistical challenge but i felt like it added so much in terms of story value at the end so yeah so yeah locations for me are always like super important you know coming from a background of doing music videos as well where you know there's no budget ever (laughs) so it's always like okay well we've got to tell a story but let's tell it somewhere that looks interesting um and i always think that that's you know with things like that it's it's just so crucial to lock in such an interesting location or a space if you can so yeah i guess that's just carried across like all the projects that i do
0: so do you always work with the same dp and production people or do you like to work with um different people with your projects
1: um yeah good question i when i was starting out i used a lot of the same crew there was a bunch of us that would sort of get together and we we worked across sort of multiple projects and then Then, you know, when I started doing commercials, you kind of got introduced to different, excuse me, you got introduced to different crew members and different cast and, and sort of expand your sort of filmmaking world, I guess. Um, and I think that's good. Uh, initially when I started out, I just loved working with the same people because it kept me, uh, it kept me feeling safe, I guess, in some ways, <laughs> like as a director, you feel like you're protected by those people. And then I think as you get a little bit more confident, it, I, I actually really enjoyed then working with new people because they challenged you and they made you step away a little bit and think about your process. And, and I th- think I think you, you can to a point if you're working with the same people all the time maybe get a bit lazy um whereas I think if you work with different people you're forced to kind of really have a think about the way you communicate an idea or what your vision is or um and so I quite like that so so often now I'll mix it up a little bit so before High Life uh, we shot a, a series called Low Life and that was shot in LA so none of the crew from that except for my editor Mel uh came across onto High Life so High Life was a complete different look and feel. But I kind of like that because Low Life was a story about a guy with depression set in LA, and High Life is obviously a girl with bipolar set in Sydney. So to me, it felt like it needed to look and feel very different, and that the only thing sort of connecting them was, you know, the subject matter slightly. Um, and so I like the fact that there was very two different, very two very different crews to sort of mix it up. Um, so uh on High Life though, like I, I struck up a couple of like really good collaborations and there's a few people there that uh it looks like we'll work together on on uh our next project, the feature film. So um and there's been a few people that have been carried across. Like my editor uh I've worked with for like 10 years. Um there's different DPs that I've worked with that like it sometimes gets mixed up across different projects, but essentially I've worked with the same people again across like a 10 year period. So it's, I guess it's a combination. It's people that I love working with, but I'm not going to work with them every single project. It really depends on what that project calls for. I do feel like it's, it's uh, good to mix it up, I guess, where you can. It's funny, composers, I've almost worked with like a different composer on every single project I've done. Um, not because I haven't had good experiences, just because I felt like each thing that I've done needed a slightly different voice or, you know. Um, Yeah, so...
0: Um, What do you think is the most important person to get right in that mix?
1: Oh, that is such a great question because I think... I think when I was younger, I would have definitely said uh, director cinematographer is probably the most important. Um, and then you know, there's definitely times where I would say director editor. But as I get older, I feel like it's almost like director producer. <laughs> um, I, I definitely feel like cinematographer and editor are the two key sort of creative roles that you really need to have a strong relationship with. And I've been very lucky, like I said, in that I've worked with the same editor for like you know ten years. 12 years um, and DP I think is important as well obviously in terms of getting your vision across and and how you communicate and like when you're on set for me anyway I don't I tend to leave the DP to it a little bit like I feel like if you can do so much work in pre that by the time I get on set I can just concentrate on working with the performers, you know and concentrate on story and, and performance which is what I really love doing but there's something about that director producer relationship it's so crucial. And I think it's almost something that when you're younger, you probably don't value as much. Um, and like a good producer is... Uh- you know they will protect you and look after you but also challenge you and I think if you have a good producer that's both great at you know organizing things obviously but is also great on creativity and story then they can be your best ally you know and I think if you're on the same page with your producer then the world is just so much easier because you can uh, you've got a partner in crime because the the director producer relationship is going to start well before you know a, a DP and an editor comes on board and also goes right until something is released you know so uh and i've been lucky i've had a couple of wonderful producers that i've worked with again the guy on high life adam you know we're about to make a feature film together and i'm I'm so glad that it's him because we we just kind of trust each other and and, you know we have our moments like we kind of push and challenge and and kind of get grumpy with each other but it's just such a, a beautiful respectful relationship and i you know he's not just there to organize something he's there to question the story and question. Uh, you know, decisions like in a in a in a positive way. Just like, is this is this what you really need? Is this where you know what the story needs at this point? And I think. I think that's great because you can get lost a little bit as a director. Um, and I think if you've got that partner in crime through the whole process, it's it's amazing. And often, you know, when you finish one, you want to go on to the next project. So if you can form like a really great bond, that's what you, that's what you need. And it's so difficult to get projects off the ground working in, in the independent space, as you know, that it's really hard to do that just as a director or just as a producer. And I think if you've got two people hustling, uh, it just helps so much. And I know from my experience, Experience of, you know, making a couple of shorts and then going into the web series and then now moving on to the feature, like having a relationship like I, I have with Adam, it's just made it so much easier to be able to raise awareness and finance. And there's something nice as well that when you then start talking to crew, they're like, oh, okay, it's the same team. You guys are, you know, it's the same team I worked with before and I trust you guys. And, it's lovely. Um and so yeah, I just think it's underestimated at the beginning, but when you when you when you meet a good producer that you get along with really well and is great at their job, then you really learn the value of those people. So
0: So your uh, big announcement was that you're you're gonna be making a feature, you're moving from web series to
1: features? Uh yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty excited about it obviously uh, I've been working as a director for you know close to 14 or 15 years or something and I guess it's the thing that everybody wants to do you know uh, either work in television or make a feature film and I think most filmmakers would talk about wanting to make a feature so I'm, I'm pretty delighted that we finally got the finance through um, it's with the same team behind High Life uh, so written by Glenn Dolman and produced by his twin brother Adam um, and it's a, a sort of a funny story and that I've become sort of known as like the mental health guy after, after low life uh, and then high life. And then interestingly enough, this project is kind of about mental health. It's a, uh, The protagonist is a schizophrenic. Um, But Glenn, so it's sort of rounding out the trilogy maybe. I don't know. Um, It wasn't an intentional thing to go searching for uh, a mental health project. I guess it just came to me. But Glenn wrote the project like 15 years ago or something like that, possibly longer. It was one of the first things he wrote. And then I guess just came to me at a time when we were working together. Uh, In fact, we were working on that before I asked him to do High Life. So I guess it's just subject matter that I've I've been drawn to for quite a while. But essentially it's about a, a, a schizophrenic guy called Devon, who is really sort of down on his luck one night and is having like a really terrible moment. Uh, And he meets this girl called Lucy and they have this incredible uh, night together. Uh, And it's like this wondrous, romantic sort of dreamlike night that they spend. And then uh, they spend the evening. He wakes up the next morning and she's gone and she's left him a note saying, meet me in Sydney. The film is actually set in Perth on the other side of the country uh, in Australia. Uh, And so he sets off across the massive country that is Australia from Perth to Sydney in search of this, this woman. And as he's, Traveling, you start to think that maybe, just maybe this woman that he's met uh, doesn't exist and that she's all in his head. So it's sort of a uh, romance drama with a bit of comedy. It's kind of inspired a little bit by all references that we're looking at of sort of Lars and the Real Girl, 500 Days of Summer, Eternal Sunshine. It's um, so a really lovely, sort of poignant uh, comedy dramas, I guess. So yeah, I'm really into it. And I'm super excited that we finally get to film it. We've been trying to get it off the ground for about five or six years now so it's a thrill that we now are greenlit and uh we're, we're sort of started actually as we speak
0: comedy drama i think is possibly like my favorite genre i mean you know, I do like the the blockbusters, you know, uh, like Christopher Nolan type stuff, you know, yeah. like, but when it comes down to story and like an aesthetic, like Little Miss Sunshine, yep. it's not guaranteed, which I spoke about loads on this podcast, but they are like, that is my, that's my favorite type of film yeah. because you can just get so much more from that than superheroes saving the world yeah. again.
1: <laughs> I agree. It look tonally. That's the space I love to work in. Like I, you know, come from a background of doing commercials, and I was always, you get sort of pigeonholed. I was always the sort of comedy director for commercials. And then when I started just working on my own stuff, like pretty much everything I've done has always been comedy drama. Like I, I've always loved those films that, like you say, like you know, Little Miss Sunshine is beautiful. Those films that sort of one minute you're laughing, next minute you're crying. Like that's life, you know. Or you know, having a laugh mm. during a really tragic moment. Um, I think is. maybe that's a very British and a very Australian mentality as well of how we deal with emotions. Um, And so I I do feel like a lot of British films have that naturally, that sort of comedy drama. Um, And Australian films are very similar in a way. But, yeah, it's the sort of space that I love working in. And, you know, a lot of my favourite films, like the references we just mentioned, I think work in that space really well. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can pull it off.
0: That sounds. I'm excited to see that. And um, are you a fan of uh, Mark Duplass?
1: I am yeah I mean look those guys are I mean such an inspiration Um, yeah uh you know they're a powerhouse like they're you know started out as doing a couple of indie features and now you know they've got deals with netflix and hbo and executive producing projects and they're amazing like they really are and I, i i think the space that they work in tonally is very similar as well like they seem to kind of work around that area of sort of comedy drama the bittersweet comedy really well um but yeah i'm a big fan i think they're i think they're great filmmakers not just in terms of the stories that they tell but just in terms of the business You know. They've been such a success, and I think it's such an inspiration for for indie filmmakers. Um, you know, I often read, uh, you know, they're on Twitter and they often write papers, and um, I think they're really inspiring.
0: Yeah, and I think they're they're a good example of uh, of Ooh. like a new wave of filmmaking. Well, not so new now because they've been out for a while. There, there did seem to be a trend when indie filmmakers would get picked up by big production companies and big studios, and they'll be dropping them into just the most. You're like, really? That he's he's doing Spider Man. Uh, okay, didn't he do Five Hundred Days of Summer? <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a big hit. We loved it. So, so we'll
1: give him Spider
0: Man. Yeah, yeah, make, that makes perfect sense. I
1: know it's weird choices, right? Like I often look at that and go, "What that director?" Uh, yeah, but then often they pull it off, you know. I <laughs> so um i don't know i don't know the thinking i guess once you i guess in terms of hollywood once they see that you can pull off a film and i think if you can pull off a movie that is like a nice combination of comedy and drama they do know that you've got a great grasp of performance and and storytelling and that you can pull off these kind of things but i guess that transition though from going from a small indie film to like a large hollywood franchise would be a shock like a massive shock (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. Just a little
0: bit. I mean, even just the scale of these things. I think the only director who who pulled it off was when uh, Nolan and I am a Nolan, not a Nolan fanboy, but yeah, <laughs> no, well, I can tell you But a you know what? Yeah. Like, like I hated Batman Begins when it first came out. Yep. I thought because to me, Batman, my Batman, was the Tim Burton movies, yeah. and that was what Batman was. It was very gothicy and very dark and very stylistic. Yep. And then I remember watching. It was. It wasn't until I saw the Dark Knight that I could really kind of, oh okay, um, I kind of get it now. And now I think it's like the, one of the best trilogies like ever, the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. But I remember watching it, and because I was used to this whole stylistic gothicy feel to it, I remember watching Batman Begins and felt embarrassed for Batman. I'm like, because it was that real. I'm like, mates, do you not feel a bit embarrassed in that suit? You look a knob. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what you know that that's because it felt so like realistic. Yeah. It was it's such in in the real world. Yeah. It was just like it felt awkward. But then when I grasped <laughs> it, as often these things take a bit of time with me, and then it's like actually it's really good. Yeah. Um. I, and I think
1: you know, I I had a I, I think I had a fairly similar response to it in that I just felt like it took itself too seriously. Like I was like, it's a you know, it's a, it's a comic book, guys. Like, uh, do we really need to be this dark and heavy with it? But there are amazing like he's a he's a spectacular filmmaker like he's so cinematic um i think that trilogy i look I, I i'm not a big superhero franchise guy i have to admit yeah i'm not gonna lie like they tend to bore me these days i think because i i just find that there's a real lack of stakes i guess in terms of whether or not a character is going to survive or you know be victorious or not i always feel like it's just it's so obvious that they are um and it's just you know big set pieces i feel like i'm watching a two-hour music video but for some people people love that um but I, I think his trilogy is amazing. Like it's probably the last trilogy of superhero films that I sort of watched. And I think there is real characterization there. I think, like you said, because it is quite real. Um, you do get real sort of character emotions and relationships and uh yeah, they're pretty spectacular, I think. You know, you get the big set pieces, but they're offset by by, you know, beautiful moments. And it's
0: mostly practical as well, which I think makes a yeah. big difference. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like a video game. And yeah. I thought what Nolan did, I loved how he kind of did that trilogy it was like right I want to make the, this film about two magicians like okay you'll make it but you got to do like Batman he's like okay and then after that he's like right I want to do this movie <laughs> yep. about like some sort of time travel and a spaceship like all right but will you do the next Batman yeah okay dude. yeah big no, Nolan I've, fanboys my, my, obviously
1: our film won't be as big and as epic as a Christopher Nolan pick I'm sorry to disappoint so our sound designer when we were doing uh when we were doing High Life we had to move things forward like a week and the, our sound designer Andy is so Lovely. He's like, oh, look, I, I feel like oh, we're gonna just have to move things forward a little bit and, and kind of work really hard to kind of just finish a little bit earlier. And I was like, Oh, that's why. And he goes, Oh, I've got to go to Hollywood. So he got nominated for an Oscar, which he then won. So our sound designer was an Oscar winner on Hacksaw Ridge. There you go. Name drop Clang.
0: I like I should start a podcast called Name, Name Drop, drop. <laughs> and I'll just get people on who know famous people. Just like this podcast doesn't have Hans Zimmer on, but it has someone who someone knows, who knows Hans Zimmer <laughs> on. Did you see the show? Because I sort of picked up a vibe of this with obviously it came out way after um, High Life but did you see the show 13 Reasons Why? I did Um,
1: and it was interesting it came out around the same time interestingly enough I think I remember when we released because we got released on a platform in the US and it was around the same time as 13 Reasons Why came out Um, and I remember at the time there was a lot of sort of publicity or you know twitter i guess swirling around 13 reasons why both good and bad um i really liked it i i i <laughs> i thought it was like beautifully made i think it's great filmmaking but it, it it got really bogged down in the the negative for me i found it quite heavy um maybe too heavy uh even though high life goes to a fairly dark place i feel like for us there was always something sort of hopeful there whereas in the middle of 13 reasons why not giving a total spoiler alert, but there's like four or five episodes there that are just oh so depressing and so heavy I struggled through it I have to admit but I I think it's amazing that that kind of storytelling is now available you know dealing with mental illness and and an exploration of that and an exploration of like realistic sort of teenage emotions you know I think it's pretty amazing like we live in a fairly amazing time where those kind of films and shows can be can be made so um uh I'd be interesting to see what they're going to do with the second season I yeah like I said I really liked it but for me it just got bogged down a little bit in the in the, the darkness and the melodrama but what about you did you enjoy it
0: yeah i absolutely yep. loved the first season i thought it was so clever yep. i loved how it was kind of like a mystery yes, as well yeah. like what is going on with this and i thought it was it's really great performances you know, beautiful. those are amazing oh yep. my god yeah i mean that um the, the i think it's the second to last episode i'm not too sure it's the one when clay i mean spoilers clay finds out he isn't one of the reasons i just destroyed me <laughs> really? like it was just so, oh, i was born like a baby because not to sound like an idiot, but all the jocks and all that—I was never yeah. like that. I was always the nice guy on yeah. the on the outskirts, you know. At the party, I was never at the party. I might be like near the party, <laughs> like peering through the window. Is going, this is oh, therapy like for you. Party. Do we need
1: to talk more here, Simon? Do you want-
0: But no, it absolutely floored me. And then the second season, which I won't spoil for you. If you think 13 Reasons Why season one went dark, this is that was like honest that's like a Disney film compared oh, to God. where the show well, goes. Well, I remember
1: right at the I- end. Again spoiler alert, doesn't it hint? Does it well? It doesn't hint. There's a moment where one of the one of the Kate main characters has a has a gun right under his bed, isn't yeah. It's like so. I saw that and just went, "Fuck! I don't know if I want to watch the second series." Like that's going to a dark place. I'm sure.
0: So, with the feature, is that going to be getting a, a wide release? I mean, obviously, it's not even made yet, but is that the plan to like get into theaters? Yeah in definitely.
1: End? So, we you know, as part of finance, we you know have a, a theatrical dish distribution like sales agents and pre-sales and things lined up so um as part of getting finance for for making it so uh i definitely know it will be released theatrically in australia and then um hopefully after that various kind of markets around the world which uh i'm sure the uk will be one of them so um and so we at this point in time look like we're filming in uh, early next year, and then mm-hmm. post going through till sort of June, July, August, something like that, so um, hopefully by the end of next year or the year after it'll be it 'll be out, but um, sounds ridiculous saying end of next year, the year after I guess it 's such a long <laughs> such a long process um, but yeah we 're due to sort of have the film sort of finished around uh, June, July of next year, so and yeah, definitely the aim is to theatrical release in different places around the world
0: um, what 's your favorite part of the process? like when you're
1: filming sometimes it's horrible (laughs) sometimes it's so stressful and things are not working i've had one or two moments in my life which i'm not that proud to admit but i'm sure most filmmakers have gone through it where i'm just on set going why am i bothering like what am i doing this is ridiculous um but generally Mm. speaking i i love being on set like i um apart from those moments when you know you're running out of daylight and you know running out of shooting time and you've got to drop something which is just horrible like the majority of the time i i just love it like as soon as it it sounds like a cheesy sort of cliche thing to say but it's it's totally true like when I walk on set in the morning and say good morning to everyone and you know then we start I just I feel at home like I I absolutely love it um and I quite like you know being bombarded with questions and you know that weird process of arriving on set and like 30 different people firing questions at you there's something exhilarating about that and exciting about it I think, Um, especially when you don't know
0: the answer yeah yeah yeah, uh yeah that's
1: that's uh yeah and then And look, I really love the edit too, because the pressure's off. Like, there's something exhilarating about being on set, and you, you know, you you don't really get second chances. Like, you, you you know, you might film some extra coverage or something like that, but your schedule is often so tight. It's not like you can shoot versions of something. Like, you've had to be so organized and then so open to possibility while you're on set that you just have to get what is there. Whereas in the edit, it's like you can throw a script away. It's like a whole different film. It's like, okay, this is the material. Well, this is what I have. This is what we have to make work. And there's something really terrifying but really exhilarating about that as well. Like I think that's really sort of comforting that you then can sit there and you can try things. You know, you can actually, let's try it this way. Nope, it doesn't work. Let's try it again. Like, and you don't get that luxury on set, I guess. So the edit is a really nice process. But look, one of the things I really love as well is I'm, I'm really obsessed by sound and sound design. And I always thought that if I wasn't a director, I'd love to learn doing sound design. So I, I, I love sitting with a sound design and 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 playing with effects. And, you know, I think most sound designers that I sit with are just amazed that I'll actually spend my day sitting beside them. They're like, aren't you bored? I'm like, no, 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 I could do this all the time. It's great. Like, I, I, I feel like you can tell so much story uh, sort of subconsciously through sound and through sound layers. And um, you can really add to, you know, things that you might have missed or things that you just want to sort of heighten a little bit. And so I find that process really, I, I love it, you know, in the mix as well when you're really laying down the fine or soundscape i I think is great you know it's most stages really you know even pre like sitting down with the dp and working out shot lists and like i find it all really exciting it's it's a crazy job like when you think about it's like what are we doing we're like trying to remake some sort of version of reality it's insane like you know
0: it is crazy when you think about what it is yeah
1: it's ridiculous like let's find a location and we love it but now let's go in and change everything in there to make it the way we want it it's yeah it's nuts it's a weird it's a weird sort of thing and then yeah I don't know I love it like uh, the whole process I think is like I, it's funny like going through the process of making a film when I I then watch a good movie I'm always I, like I actually think it's harder to make it it's so difficult to make a really good film I think it's so easy to make something that's mediocre or is crap you know we've all seen those, and and we've probably all worked on those kind of things as well but I think when you get something that is actually successful it always amazes me because you've got so many people and so many voices and and so many different factors that can that, that can change the way you shot something or the way something is pieced together it's it's amazing to me that you can sit there and something something be fantastic but um there's something really exciting about turning up and things change on the day like I I I used to be like when I started out and again I think it was like you know not having confidence and slightly fearful and things like that like I would I would just be so stuck to like a shot list or things that I felt like it needed to be like in pre-production I would just be like it has to be this way and then I would get on set and I would ask an actor to move in a certain direction or you know and then you kind of go like, that's so ridiculous because the way you imagined it before you then get into space is, it's impossible. They're never going to match. And when you get to a location and whatever the limitations are of that location, they're going to provide, it's going to provide some sort of dramatic moment to your story. And I think once you can then get the actors on set to block something out or to run it the way they would or the way they might or the characters would, something, it then comes to life. You know what I mean? If you can then play with that and and, and shape it. And I love when something, like that then starts coming to life you know it starts out you get on set you go holy shit this is way different but then you start collaborating and working with the actors and working with the dp about how you could stage it i think that's really exciting like that process i really love and i and i think that's a big part of filmmaking is just trying to roll with it and and throw away in a way you know your shot lists and things like that have them there as preparation but but be prepared to just roll with the punches a bit like i I think that's really exciting did you find
0: when you first started out when you were making like shorts and and like little things would you recommend reference other
1: movies to your actors like kind like of like this or, or it's that- so funny because i i think i you know and look i you still do it like even when I was kind of pitching you what the film was about I mentioned references to kind of give people a bit of a flavor and I think you know when you're sitting down with a DP and you're in pre we always talk about like other films but I, I what I what I tend not to do is on set is sort of you know reference those other movies particularly a performance or to an actor um, and I yeah I just I, I feel like because at that time you're, you're just trying to get a performance you're trying to get something that's kind of real and, and motivated and truthful I guess so i Feel like you know referencing somebody else's film doesn't really help in that situation but i think i think when you're in pre-production and you're talking to a dp or a designer that's helpful for sure
0: yeah yeah i mean i i referenced um scream yeah. but um unsettled and um And what was the other one? Paranormal Activity. So it was kind of a (laughs) cross between those two films. Um, And uh, the look, the Paranormal Activity look, we got right down because that's basically a camera (laughs) staring at the room. (laughs) Um, The Scream, not so much, because if like the Scream's one of my favorite horror movies, and it's shot so well, it's
1: beautifully directed. It looks fantastic. It's uh, it like really subverted horror films for the time. It's a great film.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, So I wanted, and I look, and the, the actress that we got in it. She was like, I don't really like horror films. Like perfect, great. right? You yeah. need to watch yeah. these films. Well, one damn. of my favorite things to yeah. ever do, right? So if I could go back in time, have you seen? Obviously, you've seen The Shining, yeah. right? Have you seen the trailer where someone's made it and it oh, looks I like love a that. comedy I film? I love that like,
1: rehash. It's great.
0: I would. I think someone should do something like that for legit. Make a film look like it's something entirely <laughs> well, else. Because well, what better audience to genuinely scare people who people who don't like to be yeah, scared? Yeah, it's true. Well, Mother, awesome. do you
1: remember the Darren Aronofsky film Mother? Like I remember the trailers for that made it feel like it was a sort of Roman Polanski-esque kind of thriller and it was a crazy out there satire have you ever seen it it's so weird it's so fucking weird it's so different than the trailer the trailer made me go oh I really want to see that like I love Darren Aronofsky like I love that cast like it looks fantastic and then it's like a crazy piss take comedy like it's way different you know I I kind of enjoyed it but I I enjoyed it just because it was so bold and so out there like I I couldn't believe the set of balls on that director to try and pull that off
0: it was an interesting thing is he's an atheist as well so it was a really interesting In, uh, film to yeah to like, uh, to make he he's a strange character I yeah, find he's very
1: unusual I I like his films like he's very you know he's a very bold kind of filmmaker and I I like that like he really he really goes there and I I felt like that film was just so out there I had no idea how he got it made you know I I didn't love it like I liked it like I liked it for what he was achieving but uh, yeah so do you go to the cinema much do you like to watch I do movies? yeah I go much. like I try and go I try and go like once a week probably. Um, oh, wow. Uh, you should start should, a podcast. <laughs> Who's got time? I'm always at the cinema. Um, yeah, I try to, you know what I mean? And if not, like I'm i am always watching stuff. Like I, you know, people are always like, how do you find the time? And it's just like, well, you just kind of make it. Like I, I feel like it's, A, it's pleasurable, obviously. Like there's nothing. Uh, and yeah, I think it's for me, it's part of my job. I need to know, you know, different filmmakers and what's going on and different actors. And, and, and that's what I tell myself. But I, I think that's legitimate to say that. Like you do really need to know sort of what's happening so but I, I i still find you know in this day and age you know big tvs and being able to stream stuff it's i love that being able to sit at home in the comfort of your own home but i still get like like a kid like giddy with as soon as those lights drop in a cinema and the and you know the the trailers start or the the opening sort of logos come up like i i still get goosebumps i know that's a cheesy thing to say but i i love it like just well, sitting in it's, that it's, dark it's, space it's it's beautiful it's
0: doing a, a, i would much rather watch a movie yeah. in a cinema than than at home because you just get that if you get a good yeah, audience totally. as well like I saw Interstellar made me cry yep. twice.
1: Um I did cry. I love that. You know, when you like yes. I, I remember the first ten minutes of saving private Ryan at the cinema. Oh who you can know forget what I mean? that? Yeah isn't that amazing that, that you say that who can forget that and I love that. I love that anybody that has ever seen that movie, I'm sure, would have had that experience. Would have just had that shocking like it made me sick. You know I was like it was such an onslaught of all your senses.
0: Felt like you'd oh, been in the war I think it was the closest to feel yeah. that you, you could feel to being I, in the war. I, you know,
1: I've seen some amazing films over my time, but I, I definitely feel like the first 10 minutes of that is just some of the most amazing filmmaking ever, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, when any anyone ever says, oh, Spielberg, he's, you know, he's this, he's that. I, I think he's Me one too. of the best of I, all I time. love when
1: people say that. Like, uh, I think it's cool to kind of say that he's, he's kind of over it or something or to bash him. And I, you know, because his films are commercial or whatever, but I think he's an amazing filmmaker. I think the way he uses the camera is like, no other director. I think the way he uses music, like he just embraces all facets of cinema to make you feel something. And I, I know some people just don't like that, but I, I love that he just goes there. You know, I, I think he's a phenomenal like if Jaws ever comes on the TV, if I if I catch a frame of Jaws, I'm like, I'm, I'm done for. I gotta I gotta sit down, I gotta watch the rest of the film. Like it's the way he uses camera, camera moves and the way he uses camera to kind of, you know, get across character and story is just phenomenal. He's a he's a master.
0: I saw Jaws. Was at the um, I'm, I'm showing off. <laughs> my friend took me from my 40th to the it wasn't the it was the Liverpool Philharmonic, and we had the big screen, and it was with an orchestra. And it was just like, I hadn't watched yeah. it for a while and it was just so amazing. And even the parts like without like the action, but stuff when he's just yeah. telling the story with um, with Brody walking down that street at the beginning and he's like, you know, getting the pens and it's like done in like yeah. one shot. And you're like the storytelling in this. Phenomenal, right? Is it's just, yeah. yeah. But then I put a lot of that down to like the budget problems that they had. So it's like, right, we can get these five shots done yeah, in one. I, I... So I think he's kind of been forced into that kind of You know what? I love that.
1: I love that restrictions in a way work. For you creatively at times. Like, I think sometimes with filmmaking, and especially not to sound old, but young filmmakers, and especially with digital, people just shoot the shit out of stuff. You know, they, they, and, and, and that's not filmmaking. Filmmaking is really about making choices. Like, that's really your job as a director, is that you're prepared. And then on the day, you have to make tough decisions. You have to say, no, I want to shoot it this way. Or, and I, I think if you can do that in a creative way, like Spielberg does, then it can really work in your favor. Um, and, you know, he was a young man. At that time like he but he would have had a lot of pressure on him because that was a a big budget you know it was only his second film and i think it was his second film yeah it's like yeah amazing that he would achieve that i think he's a i think he's a wonderful wonderful filmmaker
0: do you ever watch a movie and go Ah uh, yeah, I quit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I remember watching um, what was the you know the Battle of the Bastards that episode in uh, Game of Thrones.
0: Do you know what? I have um, not seen Game of Thrones.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot wow. about it. I've watched okay. one episode. Yeah. Well, it's a TV show on HBO. Oh right, and, okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah well anyway there was look you know I, I think a lot of people maybe who are listening will know about that particular episode and it was i, I watched that and kind of went I, I have no idea i don't know how they would do that like i really don't know as a director how you would achieve that and it, it was phenomenal like um yeah so i all the time i get disparaged and <laughs> but also invigorated and inspired you know i watch things um uh, you know i saw a, a real indie film last week in america called we the animals and uh it's beautiful it's such a beautiful movie um and i i looked at that and kind of went wow i don't know if i could make that film um uh and i saw you know there was another film blind spotting which i saw a couple of weeks ago both films for me i watched was like wow these are really impressive great new voices you know saying really interesting things but being very entertaining at the same time and i love that like i love that i'm constantly blown away and inspired by people and and you know shaking my head i I don't mind that I don't mind kind of watching stuff and going wow i don't know if i could do that or how i would achieve that
0: yeah because if, if, if you felt the other way it'd be like you know I mean,
1: you would stop right you wouldn't you wouldn't feel like you needed to grow and, and yeah. challenge yourself yeah, and, yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely no i'm gonna watch that we yeah. are we are animals is it yeah uh we the animals we I the animals called? Yeah. It's
1: called? yeah it's uh it's great It's a really fantastic yeah we the animals I think
0: um great. quite quite a few of the films that i like tend to come out of uh sundance like i I'm always look yeah. forward to when the big blogs all go there and like oh what's gonna to be, you know, it's like, yeah, like, well, I was there. like,
1: this time of year, you know, summer's coming to an end, so you've gotten rid of all the big tent pole franchises oh. and you're sort of getting into Oscar season. Like, exactly. I find over the summer, it's just a bit of a for me, anyway. I, I I feel like it's a bit of a dead patch for watching films, and then now, like, you've just got all these, like, really interesting, amazing, sort of, you know, more indie kind of uh, actual stories. So, yeah, actual stories, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If
0: Marvel said, right, Luke, we've seen High Life, <laughs> and- <laughs> and uh, we want to reboot Hulk. you like, again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: because naturally you would watch High Life and go, he's prime. Yeah, for yeah. Hulk. Well, it happened yeah. to Colin
0: uh, Trevorrow. Yeah. yeah. And they like, so we. You know, what?
1: I loved the Hulk as a kid, the TV show as a kid. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> you know, what? I don't think. Mo- I, I, think <laughs> I, I think if you're a filmmaker that says, I would turn down a deal for Marvel, you're a liar. I think most people would jump at that for the paycheck alone. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I think I want to see the Hulk now be... directed
0: by Luke That would be amazing <laughs>
1: that, He wouldn't even I'd turn into the that. angry Hulk He'd just be the uh... <laughs> he, he would be mildly outraged <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a little bit upset There'd be a small tantrum And then he would want to kind of talk it through Mediation, you Yeah, know, because violence isn't yeah, Hulk so, getting counselling so. <laughs> people, people would be like, this is the best Boring Marvel film I've ever Do you know what? Seen. It might be
0: the best Marvel um, movie like ever. Like maybe. actually, it was a story and a character piece. And I've just got a picture now of like a load of people sat around on these chairs. It's like some AA meeting or something. And the Hulk's one of them, like that's that's Luke's movie. Do you know what? I'll tell
1: you what, if anyone is listening from Marvel, it would be the it would probably be the one character that I'd really want to make. So you've chosen (laughs) you've chosen well, I used to love that show as a kid. I really did. I thought it was I thought it was a fascinating dilemma.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I hated it. Like like I was scared of him. I it was I'm trying to think the guy's name who played him on the TV, terrified me when I was a kid. I was like, oh, don't like that. Because it was just like, you know, when you're a little kid, it's scary. Um like this guy and yeah. I'm returning Oh yeah, used to
1: scare the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. Like. Um, yeah. Could you imagine how many bad sequel ideas that are actually being bandied around Hollywood right now in meetings? People actually genuinely talking, like face and off getting two. To a point. Like, <laughs> yeah, like <you're laughs> genuinely getting to a point where money is about to be spent all money has been spent before they pull the plug it's happening already it's, but it's happening with the oh rock. yeah it's happening all around us it's amazing it's like their risk of I guess they spend so much money on these big tent poles that they have to feel like there's a that, that there's an existing audience for it in order for them to take a chance but I think it's a great idea I do really want to I actually really want to direct the Hulk now
0: yeah <laughs> just for just all you need to do is tweak what you're doing a little bit <laughs> yeah. no but cheers it's been really cool to chat and let's catch up again uh, so, That's good, mate. Yeah, for sure. And good luck with the feature. Thank you, man. Yeah.